0: This morning we are beginning a summer series uh, of selected psalms. Won't try to say that too fast, but uh, summer series of selected psalms, and we're going to be- begin with Psalm One. Let me invite you, please, to open one of the pew Bibles to Psalm One. We're going to read it in unison. It'd be helpful if we're reading uh, out of the same version. So I invite you to read from the pew bible or from the english standard version if that's your personal uh bible translation let us ask the lord who breathed out this word for us to breathe upon us afresh so that we might receive it as we ought with reverence and devotion and faith let us pray our gracious heavenly father we give you thanks that in your love and mercy and grace toward us, you speak to us your word of truth to instruct us how to live as your people. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, we would sit humbly at the feet of Jesus and receive your word to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. The word of God, Psalm 1, it is written, let us read in unison. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood. To Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. The book of Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible. It is also the hymn book of the Bible, the book of praise. It is the most basic hymnal of the church. And it is the inspired journal of spiritual Reflection and personal meditation. And Psalm 1 is really an introduction to the entire Psalter. We refer to the book of Psalms as the Psalter. Psalm 1 is placed at the beginning as a kind of doorway, if you will, a doorway through which we walk into this great library, if you will, A library of prayers, prayers of praise and thanksgiving, prayers of lament and grief, prayers of confession, and prayers in which faith is affirmed. Psalm 1 begins with the Hebrew word ashray, which is translated blessed. And sometimes that word in modern versions is translated as happy, which is An okay translation as long as we understand that it is referring to real happiness. The real happiness of a deeply satisfied soul. The real happiness of a heart that believes that God is good. And that God works all things together for good for those who love him. The real happiness that comes from knowing in your inmost being that God is with you and that God is for you with all of His grace and mercy and goodness and faithfulness and love and power. So we could say it this way, the real happiness that depends not upon the goodness of our circumstances, our temporary circumstances, no, but rather upon the goodness... Of our eternal God. That is real happiness. And therefore at the very beginning of the Psalter. Psalm 1 teaches us that the key to real happiness. The blessed life is living daily before God. In a deep personal intimate experiential relationship. Of trust in dependence upon And obedience to the Lord. Psalm 1 is very realistic, very straightforward. The word is clear from the beginning. Psalm 1 is categorized as a wisdom psalm. A psalm of wisdom. a, A psalm which instructs us as how we are to live as God's people. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so remember, we're walking through that doorway. We've got to get our perspective straight as we think about coming into this relationship with God, the word is clear from the beginning. Psalm 1 tells us there are really only two ways through life, two paths, and two destinies. There's only two. Blessing or curse. Happiness or misery. Spiritual prosperity or destruction. Each one of us today is on one or the other of those two paths. The path of blessing, which leads to eternal blessing. And the path of destruction, which leads to eternal destruction. And you can't walk on both of them at the same time. Jesus taught this very principle about the two paths. We read it earlier. Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And Those who find it are few. Just in a side note, a little footnote. Whenever anyone tells you or asserts that, well, you know, we all choose our own way to God. We all find our own path. Just remember Psalm 1. Just remember the words of Jesus. He contradicted that straight up and straight down. Psalm 1 is all about walking in that narrow way, the way of delighting in, listen to the light, delighting in, trusting in, and obeying God's word and entering by that narrow gate. And as Jesus himself tells us in the Gospel of John, he himself is that gate. Jesus is that gate. His way is the narrow way. And we walk his way and we walk through him into life eternal. But interestingly, in order to get our attention and make the point, Psalm 1 begins by telling us what the way of blessing is not. It warns us that a life of persistent, unrepentant sin, a life on a continual path of opposition and rebellion to God, of continual disregard, unrepentant disobedience to God's word, will not bring us happiness not real happiness therefore it warns us to turn away from sinful influences sinful company sinful attitudes and sinful patterns of behavior but in order you see to put this into this spiritual discipline into practice in order to make it real we've got to look at ourselves we've got to examine ourselves we've got to ask ourselves the questions which path am i on which way am i headed God's word says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. The word translated as wicked simply refers to those who couldn't care less about God, just don't really care. God just doesn't factor in. Doesn't factor into their thinking about anything. Doesn't factor into the way that they relate to their spouse in marriage. Doesn't relate to the way they raise and nurture their children. Doesn't relate to the way that they conduct themselves in their workplace and, and employ themselves in the service of the Lord, doing their work for the glory. Just doesn't figure. Just doesn't matter. Just not a category. God simply doesn't figure into the wicked person's life. And so the Word of God, first of all, warns us not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. The Bible uses that imagery of walking. That's a progression. That's a way of life. It's a pattern of life. Again, it makes us ask the question, well, which direction are we headed in? And so Psalm 1 warns us not to go along and get along not to pattern our lives according to the wicked. In other words, be careful, dear friends, who you spend your time with. John Calvin wrote this counsel in his commentary on Psalm 1. Quote, By little and little, by little and little, men are ordinarily induced to turn aside from the right path by little and little. Having once begun to give ear to evil counsel, by little and little, Satan leads them step by step, step by step, farther astray till they rush headlong into open transgression. Right? Little by little, step by step. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, bad company ruins good morals, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, look, we can't leave the world altogether. We're not called to go pack up and live in a monastery on top of some mountain to avoid the world. No, we're called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We have a calling to be in the world, but not to be of the world. And therefore, verse 1 is warning us about the kind of company we keep in the general pattern of our lives, the walking of our lives. A warning about the kind of people we admire. A warning about the kind of people we want to be liked by, accepted by, approved by. warning about the kind of people we look up to. Mm, Little by little. It also ought to make us think about, for example... Television shows we watch. I hope you don't watch any (laughs) (laughs) except the College World Series. (laughs) About the books and the magazines we read. About the music we listen to and the lyrics we subconsciously memorize and play over and over and over in our minds not to mention the Internet with all of its vices, distractions, and allurements, and waste of time. The blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Secondly, Psalm 1 says that the blessed man does not stand in the way of sinners, whereas walking in the counsel of the wicked gives us the imagery of going along with the crowd. This standing in the way of sinners implies taking one's stand with sinners. That is, being readily identified with those who have rejected God. In this verse, the word sinners means more than simply the generic description of everyone. Of course. All of us are sinners, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are utterly dependent upon God's grace and mercy. But the word sinners in this verse is more emphatic, it's more particular. It refers to those people whose character is defined by their consistent and persistent life of sinfulness without repentance. Those who willfully, flagrantly, unashamedly violate the moral law of God. To stand in the way of sinners is to take one's stand with them, to identify yourself as one of them, to adopt their way of life in rebellion against God. Thirdly, the blessed man or woman does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Scoffers are those who not only disobey God's law but also joke about it jest about their sins, delight in their sins, laugh at God, mock, and make fun of those who love and fear God. The scoffers are those whose consciences are seared and whose minds are darkened and they smirk at the mention of God's judgment. They mock the the idea of God's righteousness. In contrast to the way of the wicked sinners and scoffers is the way of the blessed man. The blessed man or woman is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That word delight is really, really important. Delight. What do you delight in? And, you, you know, your countenance and your heart, when, and there's something that's just so special and you just, you just delight in it. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. And it, this is to teach us that true obedience to God's word is characterized by joy and pleasure and gratitude and gladness, delight, happy obedience, happy obedience. The truly happy person is the person who is happy to obey the word of God. Because God is good. And God's word brings blessing. And so the blessed person meditates upon God's law day and night. It brings joy to know that the infinite, eternal, all-wise God has revealed to us His way of blessing. And the word law in verse 2 refers not only to the Ten Commandments. Of course, it would, in, it would include that. But not only the Ten Commandments, not only the first five books of the Bible, which is sometimes referred to as the law of God. But the word law here refers to the whole of Scripture, all of Scripture. For us, the, in, in the New Covenant, it, it includes the teaching of the New Testament. All of Scripture is the law, that is the rule or the instruction of the believer's life. The whole Bible teaches us how to live the blessed life. Psalm 1 teaches us, therefore, to meditate on Scripture day and night, every day and night. Our minds need to be continually renewed by the Word of God in Scripture. Our hearts are in constant need of being nurtured and nourished by the Word of God because we are constantly under uh, wicked, sinful, scoffing attitudes and information constantly being bombarded to stray from the way, constantly. And so we need, our minds need to be cleansed, renewed, sharpened. Our consciences need to be sharpened by the Word of God. Goodness in the world in which we live. Where evil is called good, where good is called evil. As our our culture spins more and more into a, a kind of pagan nihilism, in which there are no standards. Our minds need to be fed the word of God. How do we learn to live a life pleasing to God, bearing fruit for His glory? Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is what it means to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Not only to read it, but to think about it to examine our lives by it, to pray over it for its truths to transform us, to memorize it so that we may call it to mind as we walk through the day and meditate on it day and night. The same principles are taught in the New Testament. It is absolutely essential to Christian discipleship. In his letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul expressed his prayer, a prayer for us, That we might be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk, there's that word, the Apostle Paul uses it, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now that's Colossians chapter 1. Think about the parallels To Psalm 1, the knowledge of God's will from meditating on God's law day and night to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, the blessed life, walking in His way, bearing fruit in every good work, which parallels being like the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And that tree, the blessed man, the blessed woman, is like a tree planted by streams of water, intentionally planted, planted, cared for. Not a wild, uncultivated, untended tree. It is, it is tended to. It is cultivated. It is pruned. It is planted intentionally by streams of water so that all, it always has enough refreshment and nourishment. This is the blessed person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on God's word day and night. The godly man or woman is planted by streams, streams of mercy and of grace, streams of living water. So the blessed man is like the tree which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now you may want to raise your hand at this point, and ask, but is that always the case? In all that he does, he prospers. Really? Well, that's a good question. And as a matter of fact, as we continue through the Psalms, we will hear the godly psalmist cry out, why do the righteous suffer? Why do the evil prosper? See, those... Those are questions which other psalms and other passages of Scripture address. Those are questions for other sermons. But here's the point. This morning, Psalm 1 lays out a basic general principle. It is the basic normative general principle, a basic view of the faithful life Based upon the the basic conviction that God is good. That God's word is trustworthy. That God will bless those who humbly walk in His way. It sets forth that basic general principle. And it also sets forth the opposite basic general principle. The warning that as the Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Jesus himself said, one then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, is very clear. There are two ways, the way of blessing and the way of curse. And this psalm is as does also the teaching of Jesus, this psalm does point us ultimately to the last day and to the last judgment. Psalm 1 says, The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. When the wheat is harvested and the good grain is brought in and the chaff is blown away, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So what this teaches us, as does the teaching of Jesus, is that no matter how much the wicked may indeed prosper in this world for a time, there is coming a day when all their power, prestige, and prosperity, and popularity will be blown away. Like chaff in the wind. And no matter how much the godly may suffer in this world, there is coming a day when all of their tears will be wiped away and they will enter into eternal pleasures at God's right hand forevermore. Two ways, blessing and curse. We're on one of two paths this very day. So here's your takeaway. Here's your practical application, and it's pretty simple. Ready? Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible every day. And read your Bible systematically, not haphazardly, just opening up to some... Read in a systematic fashion. Work your way through individual books of the Bible. Get on a Bible reading program. Read, read a psalm every day. Medo- meditate on it. Think about what you read husbands and wives. Make Bible reading aloud together, part of your marriage, so that it's one of the things that you do. One of the things that you do as a couple. Parents, read your Bible out loud to your children every day. A few verses for morning devotions, a larger passage at supper table every night or before bedtime. You can read the same passage. This is a really good exercise. Parents, read the same passage out loud at the supper table or another time every day for a week. So you can start this week. Read Psalm 1 to your children every day out loud this week. Maybe next week it will be Psalm 23, every day for a week. Then maybe the Ten Commandments, every day for a week, or any other passage of Scripture. This is not rocket science. You can do this. Read the Bible. Parents, read the Bible to your children. Have them read it to you out loud. Make reading the Bible a part of your life, a part of your marriage, a part of your children's life. If you are single and living at home, a part of your personal life. It's what you do as a Christian as an individual Christian, as a single Christian, as a Christian family. Meditate on it, think about it, talk about it, put it into practice. Psalm 1 is about the life we are called to live as the disciples of Jesus Christ. Psalm 1 is not about salvation by works or being a, ma- or a matter of being saved or blessed because of our goodness or our righteousness of our own Of course not. Psalm 1 teaches us that God is good. God is faithful. God's word is trustworthy. God blesses those who humbly seek to live according to his word. There's no boasting about ourselves in any of that. All glory goes to God. But God wants us to know that he is the God of blessing. He wants us to know that he rewards those who seek him. He wants us to know that he will honor those who honor him. He wants us to know that He will bless those who seek Him and seek to live for His glory in accordance with His Word. Blessed is that man or woman. But there's something else about Psalm 1 that we must not miss. This is the final point. And this is the most important point. Do you know anyone who perfectly absolutely perfectly fits the description of the blessed man of Psalm 1? Someone who has walked through life in perfect obedience to the law of God, delighting in his law. Someone who went the whole course of his life never taking the counsel of the wicked, never going along with sinners, never being influenced by those who scoff at God. you know anybody? Do you know anyone who has perfectly set the example of the Psalm 1 blessed man there is only one he is the one and only say his name jesus christ he is the blessed man the man through whom all true blessings flow and it's only through our union with him through faith that we receive the blessings of His righteousness. It's only through our faith union with Jesus Christ that we, we can be absolutely assured in our hearts, yes, God is good. Yes, God is with us. Yes, God is for us. And that God's blessings for time and eternity are upon us. How do we know? We know. Because that blessed man lived his blessed life for us. And then that blessed man took our curse upon himself in his death on the cross for us. Because it's not by our righteousness that we will stand on the last day. Oh no but only by His righteousness. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous. He is our righteousness. He is our blessedness. So let us, by faith, walk in His counsel, take our stand with Him, and sit humbly at His feet, delighting in, meditating upon, and living according to his law, to the glory of God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we, we rejoice in your goodness, in your love, in your wisdom, in your grace, and in your mercies. We pray, O oh Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, your word would take deep deep root in our hearts. Renew our minds and transform our lives that we might live more faithfully and fully pleasing to you and bearing fruit in every season to the glory and honor and praise of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith as we say together, The Philippian Creed, which is based on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. Christian, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen.